0: Hey everybody, this is Heidi St. John. Thanks for tuning in today. You guys have found me at my little corner of the internet. I'm glad you guys are here today. Uh, My friend Rick Green is back on the show. You guys know him from coming on the show several times talking about everything that's happening from the Supreme Court to how the constitution relates to you and your everyday life. And we're gonna pick that conversation up today and talk about why it's so important that you understand about the founding of this country and what makes us the most amazing nation on the face of the earth. We'll be here in just a minute. All right, so I'm going to jump right in today. Rick is back on the show with me. I don't get to have him on very often because he's run around the country like a clown with his hair on fire, but he's back today. Rick, my friend, welcome back to the show.
1: Hey, great to be with you. I'm 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 with you all the way from the other end of the country, Heidi. I'm in Delaware of all places. Uh, I'm here to protest Joe Biden. No, not really. I'm, <laughs> I'm actually doing a uh, we're do- we're doing our Patriot Academy at at the Dover in Dover at the at the Delaware Capitol. So this is our Northeast Academy and. Got a lot of great young people here doing exactly what your your nephew did over in Idaho a few few weeks ago.
0: Yeah. I told you 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 puffed him up too much, man. You <laughs> you, you sent him back home to me. He's working on the campaign. Like so he's uh my number one campaign intern. He's getting a lot of experience out there. He's running the ground game, actually, doing a pretty good job. But boy, he came back talking about the founding fathers and the constitution. He's more fired up than I've ever seen him. So
1: Well, he's a sharp young man, I'll tell you. And he, he had a great, he he actually was a great legislator too. I tell you what, if you could have seen him on the Idaho floor debating and working the process. Really, really impressive. He did a great job.
0: That's awesome. Well, what you're doing with Patriot Academy uh, with these young people is so important because for decades and decades, we do not teach civics uh, in our schools anymore. And I think this is true of private schools. It's certainly true of the public school system. But you guys are actually raising up a generation of patriots to pay attention to and safeguard liberty. And uh, that's certainly, that's what he came back with.
1: And teaching them how to win. You know, it's, it, it was a really important part of what we created was a program where not only they get the principles, but they learn how to articulate those principles and persuade others to, to join their team and then be effective at the legislative process. Too many mm. people go into this arena thinking right makes might. And you right's important. You got to have God's word on your side and know truth. But then you got to know how to win. You know, you got to know strategy and tactics in the legislative process and know how to get things done. And so we train them on that as well. And and that's why we, you know, we're we really proud of the people that have come through our program, that are serving in legislatures across the country, that are campaign managers and doing all those different things, um, especially even here. I mean, I, when to be in Dover, Delaware, this is like a beachhead, you no know, kidding. in enemy territory. Right? No kidding. I mean, this, is, this is Northeast crazy land. And, uh, and it's really cool to watch these young people get up and articulate founding principles and yeah. talk about the Constitution and apply it to life, not, not make it just this, you know, um, philosophical discussion, but right, actually right. apply it to how their neighborhoods work.
0: It's so important there. I, I want to touch on a couple of things with you uh, while I've got you here today, because these are things that rattle around in my in my head all the time. I just came back from Wenatchee, Washington. So for those people who are not familiar with Washington State, more to the eastern side, really central and eastern Washington, where they had like a Republican convention, right, a statewide public Republican convention. And I'm listening to Republicans now out loud. Talking about softening the language on abortion and softening the language on uh, the Constitution because they believe that it won't, they can't get the votes that they need. And so I used my five minutes, and rather than talk about my campaign from the front, I talked about the principles of liberty and what makes a Republican. I said, "What is a Republican? We stand, we stand for freedom. We want to defend the Constitution." And what I'm seeing happen, and you've seen this too, this is happening right here in my race, is people who are running as conservatives who are so far to the right they're left, right? So they believe in taking, it's just what you said a moment ago, taking the principles of liberty and employing them kind of like the left does as a weapon rather than applying the law and saying, hey, we, this is, uh, we believe in the rule of law in the United States. We're going to follow the Constitution. We're starting now and I'm seeing a bit of a, a movement in the conservative uh, party, which I would like to squash and step on as quick as we can to say, no, that's actually not who we are. And uh, we're not going to uh, employ the tactics of the left, except for their constant willingness to engage in the battle. That's one we need to pick up on. But I'm wondering if you're seeing this same thing happening across the country. We certainly saw it in Pennsylvania when Trump came in and endorsed uh, Mehmet Oz, this guy who has absolutely no history of conservatism, not a conservative at all. He no. endorsed him against Pro a Kathy Barnett.
1: blockers, All kinds of crazy 100%. stuff. The guy's nuts. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's completely insane. And these guys are trying to bring. Uh, the idea of populism into the Republican Party, which really strips conservatism of the thing that made us amazing in the first place, which was this desire to see what is amazing about our country conserved and to stick to the principles that are laid out in the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. I'm curious to see where you see the conservative movement headed right now.
1: Yeah, I think that I think there's two major factors at play creating that one is that people in the middle or even like you said, even from the left, they just they're reading the tea leaves and they see that the winds are starting to turn our way. And so they're coming over into the Republican Party to hopefully be on the on the winning team. They're not conservatives. They're not, you know, the re- true Republicans. I mean, it's uh, so that's just people that want to be on the winning side. And so right. they're going to fake it and act like there's yep. something that that they're not. You might be familiar with someone close in your area that's a little bit like that. Um, but anyway there Yeah, you might be. And, and then there's then there's some, you know, good. People that 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 share our, our belief on the principles, they are true conservatives. And out of frustration at losing yeah. for so long, yes. they're, they're almost taking a Machiavellian approach of the end justifies the means, whatever it takes to win. And so they're 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 losing the principles in the process. And so to those people, I say, I feel your pain. I understand your frustration. I am as well. But we have to stick to our principles. Doesn't mean that we play tiddlywinks winks and and squeaky clean. We do have to get in the trenches and scratch and claw. You got to fight hard. But if you give up the idea of the rule of law and equal justice and blind justice, if you buy into the left's willingness to go after people because of their political beliefs and use the law against them in, in very uh, uh, dishonest, unethical ways, then then what are you fighting for? You're not a conservative. Right. You're not conserving the principles that make a nation great. You're helping to de- destroy them. I'm all for what Josh Hamer calls a more, a, a more muscular conservatism, where we're actually you know, going in and fighting. We're actually standing yeah, for these yeah, things. We're willing right. to be aggressive. I'm all for all of that. But we cannot give up our principles in, in the process because if we do, then then we, we lose in the long run anyway. So I agree with everything you just said.
0: So it brings up an interesting point. And I actually spoke to Mike Ferris about this because the Supreme Court, as we talked about yesterday, coming in and, and undoing a disastrous decision, right? Roe v. Wade from 1973. And they finally said, hey, this was never our call to make. This is a state's rights issue. And so they booted it back to the states. Didn't make abortion illegal in the country, as a lot of people say. Uh, Ectopic pregnancy is not on the chopping block, right? All of the the screaming and yelling that's happening. But I think the yelling that's happening is sort of underscoring the importance of us understanding the Constitution. And so uh, I went on the radio in Seattle, and someone asked me if I would be in favor of a federal ban on abortion. And I said, no, because I don't believe that's the role of the federal government. So if, if I as a conservative just said, hey, this is not the role of the court. If we want, if we want uh, abortion ban in this country, it's going to take a constitutional amendment to do it. You can't just swing the court around. Well, we like it now because it works for me now that the, the court might be in our favor. When we That's just right. said the federal government cannot come in, either say yes or no to abortion because it's not laid out in the constitution. This is a state's rights issue. And so I asked Mike Ferris, I said, you know, I said it. And then I was you know roundly criticized people saying, Hey, Heidi, Heidi's not really pro-life because she doesn't want a federal ban. I said, no, you're taking the law and you want to use it What's going to happen then when you're on the other side and now they're in the majority, they're going to swing right back around. The law, it either is the law or it isn't. I'm curious to know your position on this because it didn't make me any less pro-life. I'm just saying, hey, let's do this the right way or it's not going to stick.
1: Yeah, I would would change one thing in your language. I would say I'm for a federal ban, but only done the right way, which is through a constitutional amendment. To do a federal ban through the court means that the court is making law on the most controversial issue in the country. The very thing Alito talks about in the Dobbs case is that, listen, the court actually decided this for the American people that were debating this issue, and that's what created so much controversy. It shouldn't be the court deciding. So I agree with you 100%. I think the proper way to do this is is, is what's happening right now. It sends it back to the states. We're gonna have a ground game fight for life in every single one of the 50 states. And over time, this is gonna take time, we will get to 38 states that are pro-life. And when we do that, we'll have a constitutional amendment to ban abortion in all 50 states at that point. But it takes a constitutional amendment to do it. It was the same thing with slavery. I don't think we'll have to fight a war to do it. I I don't think so. We'll see. But I think it it will be a much more um constitutional process to do it. But it's exactly what you just said. If the court just turned around and said, because they could have, they could have said the 14th Amendment actually was used for the wrong, exactly the opposite of what it should have been used for. It should have been used to say we're protecting life at all levels throughout all 50 states. If they had done that in 72, maybe it would be different. But at this point for them to do that, they would be doing exactly what the Roe Court did or 73, I'm sorry, and they and they would be making law from the federal bench. And I think Alito Showed great courage to be willing to say we don't have the authority to do this. This is not our decision to make, and so I, I think the proper thing to do. I'm, I I agree one hundred percent. Eventually, I wish we could ban all abortion oh, in the country, yeah. and I think yeah. we can eventually, but that's going to take time. Right now, at least we have at least we don't have five of nine justices on the Supreme Court saying to us in Texas, you have to have abortion whether you want it or not. And right. now we can fight that fight in each of the 50 states, which means I think you're going to get to 30 states pretty quickly I do that too. are pro-life.
0: I do, too. Well, yeah. science is at the wind is at the back of the pro-life movement, That's right? right? That's right. So in 1973, when they made this disastrous decision, we weren't happy. You know, people didn't have access every day to ultrasound technology, we couldn't see what was happening. It's so obvious now the humanity of the unborn and the egregious right. nature. People are are filming now and putting out videos uh, on abortions so that women can actually see this is what's taking place. And you recognize very quickly, wow, this is not a blob of tissue. This is a little human being and they don't just disappear. They're brutally dismembered, brutally poisoned, brutally killed inside their mother's womb. It's a terrible, terrible tragedy. But I think the mothers happens are harmed. now, absolutely true. Yeah. And what's happening now is the, the robust debate will begin again. And it's yeah. going to and and rather than the church hiding from it saying, well, you know, it's just it's a federal court, it's whatever. This is the way it is. They're going to have to face it now. That's
1: right. And lo- and locally, we're able to say you can no longer say, well, it's just so, it's at this big level. at the yeah, federal. It's just the, the, I can't I can't appoint a Supreme Court justice. There's just not. Even, so let's not divide people in the church over it. There's really nothing we know now. It's about who you elect for state rep and state senator. 100%. That's going to determine what abortion looks like in your state. And everyone can have influence on that. So this is a a winnable battle at the local level, in all 50 states. California, I I mean, I'm telling you, we could win this issue in California if the churches would get involved and elect state reps and state senators based on this issue.
0: Come on, come on. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to talk to you about the importance of the church engaging. We'll be right back. So uh, before the break, you you mentioned something that just is like, it's a trigger for me now. I hate to use that word because I realize the left loves it. But that's uh, one of my biggest takeaways from running for Congress has been my extreme disappointment in the church and their unwillingness to engage in the political sphere. I mean, unwilling on a hundred different levels. And we've seen that. We've seen cowardice from our pulpits now for generations. People, pastors, unwilling. not everybody. I mean, you and I, huge fans of uh, Rob McCoy, obviously, and and Jack Hibbs are some wonderful pastors. I have a wonderful pastor here at my home church, but a lot of the pastors are not willing to engage in these important discussions. And now is the time. Like we have an opportunity to really Start educating the church again, but I keep hearing people hiding behind the separation of church and state. So I'm going to it's a it's a big topic. But we've got about seven minutes left. Okay, Uh, this idea of the separation of church and state. So can you address that? Like, what is the role of the of the church? Talk to me about uh, about the separation of church and state and how we should be looking at it as Christians.
1: Well, first of all, everything you just said, agree 100%. And I think the whole COVID thing was a separating, you know, literally a, uh, a, a weed from the chaff, a, a, yeah. a winnowing of, of the church, finding out who was going to obey government or obey God. I mean, it was just so blatant and, and, and obvious. And those churches who you can almost tell who's going to be willing to be true salt and light, true salt and light in the community based on what they did with COVID. And so if they weren't willing to stand up with COVID and still open their churches, okay, I'll forgive you for a couple of weeks, maybe even a month. But at that point, if you maybe weren't even willing even to enough. open your... Maybe even a month. Uh, but at that point, if you weren't willing to to, uh, to bring the fellowship back together and you were willing to forsake the fellowship and disobey scripture uh, at yeah, that, that point, that's because Hebrews of government, 10,
0: 25. yeah,
1: you're never going to stand up on abortion and all these other things for sure. So you're probably not a true gospel, true Bible believing, true great commission, teach them to obey everything that I commanded church. So shame on you. And I hope you uh, close down and, and, and yep. people leave and go find another church. Yep. So separation of church and state, um, th- that phrase is not nowhere in the Constitution. It's in a letter from Jefferson um, that was written actually the day before he attended church on federal property at the <laughs> United States Capitol. So even Jefferson did not mean what? separation of church and state the way the way that it's been implemented by the court. Didn't he we write about- this
0: letter to the Danbury Baptist Church? Like this is where correct. this whole thing starts, correct? Yes.
1: Yes. And And their whole question to him was, you know, the problem with having the First Amendment is that it codifies freedom of religion in a way that it makes it look like government's giving us the freedom of religion and therefore government can take it, take it away. And he's like, no, 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 not at all. What this is saying is the state cannot get involved in the church, doesn't say anything about the church, not getting involved in the state. It's a one way wall. Um, and of course, that was completely understood by the American people for 150 years. And then suddenly in 1947, Hugo Black on the Supreme Court twists the phrase completely. He takes out the rest of the letter. And he only quotes those those eight words about the wall of uh, of separation of church and state and uh, and uses it to to club religion, to literally hit religion over the head and say, we're removing you from the public square. And it's and been so effective.
0: It's, very, oh, very, so effective. very effective. Yeah.
1: They, they Most Christians believe it. Most Christians I think it. I shouldn't get involved in politics because of the separation of church and state. So it's been a, a lie of the enemy that's been very, very effective. Um, I we started to win it. David Barton started this 30 years ago with this book, Myth of Separation of Church and State, that turned into original intent. And I tell you, Heidi, over the last few, even last few weeks, I have heard people explaining this issue exactly as David and I have been explaining it. I've been with him 22 years. He was doing it for eight years before that. And they're saying exactly the same things we've been saying. And it's coming from spheres that I never expected to do that, which tells me we're winning on this issue and we're restoring true uh, constitutional freedom of religion. And and the important part is not just the establishment clause, but the free exercise clause, nor prohibiting the free exercise thereof. The Kennedy case up in your neck of the woods up there in in Washington was specifically about not violating. The, it was originally a, an establishment case, but what the court said is, no, this is actually a free exercise case. You're preventing this coach from exercising his faith. And so this whole separation of church and state thing, I think, again, the the strongholds of the left are being destroyed. We're tearing down, we're pulling down, these made up legal theories that the the court used to separate faith from our public square. And even libertarians are beginning to realize that removing religion from the public square has been terrible for our country. They used to be, you know, join with the left on that because they thought it just meant more freedom. If you didn't believe in faith, but more and more, they're beginning to realize, no, wait a minute, removing faith from the culture has been a disaster. It's caused us to to fall apart. It's caused us to go down this rabbit hole of licentiousness that's destroying the family and destroying the culture. So even people that aren't necessarily believers in Jesus Christ like us, the, people like a Ben Franklin are, are, are now coming along. I think we're going to find Joe Rogan's and Elon Musk's and those kind of guys coming alongside us and saying, you know what? I don't believe like you. But I know that your beliefs make a good culture and make a good society, and I don't want government removing that from from the public square. So I think separation of church and state is is gonna is gonna die on the vine. The way that the court created it, there's a proper separation of. You don't want the president want to want be the head of the church. You don't want to right, be, th- yeah. Right. And that's not what any of us have ever been for. And what we want is this made up separation of church and state that the court used to prevent faith in the public square. That's got to go. Because we need religion and faith. George Washington said, of all the habits and dispositions that lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. So if you want freedom in society, you want prosperity in society, you want to get rid of the uh, 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 of this disaster that we have in our economy right now. That's right. Yes, money, economy, all those things are affected by this separation of church and state thing. Bring religion and morality back into the culture. And you'll get prosperity and freedom again.
0: What do you say to the people who say, "Okay, so fine, Rick, bring religion into the into the public square, and now you're going to have the Taliban, <laughs> and the Muslims are going to go crazy, and you're going to have every weird, you know, every weird religion known to man, like the Church of Satan and all that"? What what's your answer?
1: I, well, I believe in a marketplace of ideas, so I think if a particular culture in one particular area is is high, you know, if the eighty percent of the, the the culture in that community is Muslim, then you're going to see more. Uh, of that being taught in the school or in the neighborhood or in the community, in the public square, that's fine. That that That's fine for them. There is a time where even Jefferson in that letter talked about that if someone's using religion to do something that tears down the culture, and that would be things like child sacrifice or some really right. crazy stuff.
0: Right. Now you've just addressed the church of Satan.
1: <laughs> exactly. And therefore you do have a proper role of government to say, not in our backyard, not in our community. And the community at large should be able, able to say that's something that's dangerous for our community. And we don't, we don't want that. So that there's, there's a time for the legislature to say some of these things are not appropriate for a society that wants to truly live in in freedom. But that is so rare and such a wild exception compared to most people that are going to be, you know, of a faith. And, and, and I I include, I include Islam, I include, you know, Buddhism. I mean, all these things, that's why a Christian nation thrives because a Christian nation allows all those other religions. Yeah to exercise their faith. If you go to a Muslim nation, you don't get that. If you, yeah. you know they don't allow for, but we do. Right. And, and yeah. I'll just say, I'll close it with this. Benjamin Rush, father of the public school system under the constitution. He said that I would, I would rather teach, you know, uh, Muhammad or Confucius or any of these others, if we're not going to teach anything, any faith, I would rather do that than secularism. But he said Christianity is the best religion and produces the best citizens and is the only way to have a constitutional republic survive. And you if you don't teach the Bible and you don't teach Christianity in the community, a constitu- constitutional republic will not survive like what we've designed. So what he was saying was secularism is the worst thing to do. And that's what we've done for 60 years in this country. And it's produced the worst results. We would be better off letting each community have a free marketplace of ideas. And if they end up teaching Islam or they end up teaching Buddhism or whatever, then in that community, that's what, at least they're teaching a value system instead of there is no right and wrong. But right. most places in America would go back to teaching Christianity and teaching the principles of the Bible. And that's what will produce good citizens.
0: Yeah, absolutely true. In the last minute and a half, uh, Rick, I'm going to ask you one more. It's a big question, but I know you can, I know you can answer it fast. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm running for a federal seat and uh the the fighting is so fierce. what I one of the things I another big takeaway aside from the church is that most people do not understand the role of the federal government and how important the state role is, right? The federal government, according to our Constitution, was supposed to have a very small role in our lives. but now they have That's this right. giant role. People need to take a a better look and a longer look at who's running for your state houses, your state Congress, your state Senate, who is in charge of the parks and rec. We think it doesn't matter until the guy who's in charge of parks and rec brings in a drag queen to strip in front of three-year-olds in the middle of your city park. These positions matter. What is your... What is your counsel to people right now who are getting ready? Like right now here in Washington state, the ballots have already dropped. The primary is just about two weeks away. So we're coming to the end of the road here. How important is it for people to get involved right now and to start voting, particularly in the primaries? Because the primaries are the sifting that helps us pick who's going to actually make it to the general.
1: Yeah. When you vote in the primary, you're setting the table for everybody else that's going to show up at the reception later. You're choosing what they get to choose from, and and so you're, you, it, it's a much more influential uh, opportunity to vote. So absolutely vote in 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 the primary. Um, t- t- two things to what you said. Number one, jurisdictions. What limited government actually means is that that there are jurisdictions, and if the federal government stays within the jurisdiction that we gave them in the Constitution, it's a blessing, not a curse. When it gets outside of that jurisdiction, it becomes a curse because it's so far away and it's so hard to control. And that's essentially what we're dealing with. If we can return it to its proper jurisdiction, limited government, the way we define it in the Constitution, it will be a blessing once again. And then at the local level, it has certain jurisdictions. So we want local government to have certain jurisdictions, state government to have certain jurisdictions, federal government to have certain jurisdictions. But our voice is, more, is better heard and we have more influence at the local level, which is why you want to pull that power back from the feds to the local level and then pay attention there. Everybody listening right now can have a tremendous influence on who gets elected, to school board, Uh, who the mayor is that's going to appoint that Parks and Rec person, all all of those things. If you're willing to get involved, if you get your church involved, I mean, we have story after story after story of one church turning around an entire school board or turning around an entire city council. It doesn't take that much at the local level if people will be willing to get involved. And they are. They're starting to get involved. Take our Constitution courses, PatriotAcademy.com, host those classes. You will build an army of patriots that can then turn around and influence that election in a way that turns your community around. You be the catalyst for restoring those constitutional jurisdictions and restoring those biblical values. You can do it at the local level. That doesn't mean don't vote in the federal level. It doesn't mean right. don't pay attention to those things. They're they're very important, of course. But it really does take all those different levels of jurisdictions if we want to restore government to its proper place.
0: Yeah, it's so good. It's so important. I think uh, we're learning a lot right now, Rick. Where can people find you online? Because you know, I've done two of your classes here at the Homeschool Research Center. We've got hundreds of people now gone through those classes here. We've had a hoot and holler and good time as always. (laughs) Uh, But it's exciting when you understand the constitution and all of a sudden the, the light bulb goes on and you're like, oh my word, the federal government's way out of its lane. They were never supposed to be talking about vaccines and healthcare and all this other stuff. That was never the role that they had. You learn that when you understand how our system of government was set up. How can people find out more about what you're doing?
1: Patriotacademy.com. Let's restore civics and restore a biblical worldview. You get biblical literacy and civic literacy and you get good results. And, and, and for your kids and grandkids, I mean it's not about us yeah. anymore, Heidi. This is literally about the next generation, but we have to put in the hard work in order to make sure that they get to live in freedom.
0: It's so important. You know, I just we just had our fourth grandbaby. Yeah. And so uh, and, and I know that Reagan's getting married. Our families are are expanding, they're growing. Yeah. And this really is about the rising generation and if and whether or not they're going to be free. That's literally what it's about at this point is whether or not we're going to safeguard liberty for the next generation. Rick Green, my friend, you are a national treasure. I mean that. I've loved that you came up here and helped me in, uh, in my run for Congress and spoken out on my behalf. Thank you so much for doing that. Uh, let's have you come back again and we'll continue the conversation.
1: Well, I, I came for a selfish reason, Heidi. What well, If you get elected to Congress, then Texas is going to do better because you will be a good Congress and you'll put the federal government back in its proper place. I'm so thankful for you running. We need more warriors of liberty just like you. Uh, people get involved. Take those classes. Get involved at your local level. We can turn this thing around. It's going to take a lot of work, but we can do it. And we're teetering. I mean, we could fall into complete tyranny. We could come back to liberty and it's up to us. It's up to what we, the people do. So everybody can be a part of that.
0: So good. Thank you, my friend, for coming on the show. Let's do it again. God bless you. Thank you. For more information on Rick Green and the amazing work that's happening at Patriot Academy, go to patriotacademy.com or you can scroll down in the show notes today. You guys know I will link back to all things Rick Green in the show notes. Have a great day, everybody, and I'll see you back here again at the intersection of faith and culture.